Brothers and sisters, welcome back to the XX Mormon Podcast. We are delighted to have you here in our congregation today. I am Elder Jackson up here uh, just conducting the meeting today. Of course, we're presided over by the illustrious and the beautiful, wonderful, excellent, and all-powerful, don't be fooled, she does have priesthood power, Heavenly Mother herself. Also, we've got Elder Sister here back again. Wow, thanks for joining us like so many weeks in a row. I know it's like a busy thing and we're getting close to Christmas. It's December 10th now. Bananas. Merry Christmas, everybody. Uh, how how are my fellow two co-hosts? I'm good. I don't know if you can hear my dog squeaking his toy in the background. So I apologize if that's interfering with anything. No, that's excellent. I think it adds to it. It's like a faint sound. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it adds to it. It's a little unnerving. Like, yeah. you know, like it's, a little eerie. Yeah. I, love dogs. I mean, it's dogs. a perfect fit for church is, is eerie. But uh, what kind of dog do you got? Um, he's a mini Labradoodle. He's very cute. Oh, my God. And he's goodness. psychotic in the morning. So that's why. That's amazing. I'm thinking about getting a dog. We'll see. Me too. Y'all, y'all will know if I get a pet. I don't have many pets right now. That would be fun. Yeah. 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 Every, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. We got lots of love to give to, to some wonderful animals and they're great for our mental health. So with that segue, I'm going to turn the time over to Elder Sister. <laughs> that was such a good segue. Um, okay. Yeah. Let's, we can jump back in. Um, I, Yeah. I have this one. We'll start at the top. Okay. So this one article I read talked about a therapist's view. Um, I will give a little disclaimer. I saw this article on Twitter. It was from a verified news site, but it wasn't one of like the big ones in Utah. Hmm. And then when I went to go find it again, I couldn't find it. So take this with a grain of salt. Um, but this article was saying that they interviewed a bunch of therapists in Utah um about mental health and the church um and so one of them said that they estimate that 85 to 90 percent of all abuse claims in utah can be related back to the church um and then they went on to talk about how most of them were silenced by the church and even blackmailed into staying quiet and some of them even claimed that they had meetings with like general authorities or like high up people in the church to like get their stories straight or to continue to convince them to stay silent. Um, so yeah, again, take that with a grain of salt, but I also, you know, I kind of believe it because a lot of the news in Utah is controlled by the church and this site didn't seem like it was. And so I almost want to believe it more a little bit than, than the other ones. Um, but yeah, huge implications for this. So Yeah. yeah. In, interestingly, uh, I don't know what what episode it is, but we did interview um, Bishop Jensen and I interviewed a, a guy who worked for LDS Family Services. I forget what name we used for him, so I, I won't name him. But um, there, uh, yeah, he he talked about his experience there and how much just like garbage there is working for that organization and then also if you're in utah obviously the church is going to have a big impact and yeah i i can see there being such a huge outsized impact of like mental health issues because think about all the people who are homosexual think about all the people who have a different gender identity or sexual identity or just don't want to get married at 18 you know um huge mental health impact. Yeah, absolutely. It it reminded me of my when I was at BYU and I think I talked about this a little bit in my first episode, but how they like cut off resources for the LGBTQ plus community. They said, okay, if you're gay, lesbian, trans, any any part of that community, you cannot come to the counseling center. You cannot receive therapy or counseling. Um and so they, yeah, they do. They cut off resources. They, they really try to, you know, push that the, the church is perfect, that there's nothing wrong with it, that this is just this perfect land and perfect area and, and all these things. And they'll do anything to save their asses and, and cover their tracks, you know, when something goes wrong. I mean, we saw this in the, 
the sexual abuse case. I can't remember what state it was in. The most recent one, right? There's been so many. Um, but where the church is kind of like, well, not really our fault, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, when they do get caught, you know, they don't take responsibility and they don't change things. So, yeah, it's it's just crazy. And I I know this happens outside of Utah as well. But I mean, eighty to ninety percent of yeah. abuse claims, like that is that's a huge statistic. Yeah, yeah, and I think there's there are little ways too, right? I I think mm-hmm. I I think about the. Um, like I'd probably have dealt with depression whether or not I was in the church. I'd probably have some anxiety whether or not I was in the church. But the the trouble that I went through as like a late teens, early 20s, when I was being constantly told that I had to go on a mission, but then I didn't want to, all of that, like all of that mental trouble wouldn't, like that wouldn't have been there that just wouldn't be a burden that i would have had to deal with uh were it not for the church yeah yeah absolutely i um yeah the the most depressed i've ever been was when i was at byu Mm -hmm. and i almost took my own life three times like it was bad i was trying to decide if i should get married or go on a mission like it was so bad and the thing was, is I could not figure out what was making me so depressed. I mean, I had, you know, lots of stuff going on in my life. Um, and so I kind of felt like that was was causing it. But never did I ever consider that it was the church ever until like it was this last year. And I was like, oh, my God, like if I hadn't been like stressing myself out with these things, if the church hadn't been this prevalent in my life during this time, like I would not have had it that bad, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah. And it's just crazy. And I felt guilty, like going to therapy, like I was, I was seeing my Bishop and stuff and I felt like, Oh, well he should be like a therapist, you know, like he should be helping me through these things. And he wasn't, he was just like shaming me more, you know, but I felt like guilty for needing help, you know, almost. And so, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Sorry to get super deep and super depressed, but (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Do you have something? That's where we are. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a topic at hand, so it's going to go there. Sorry, continue, Elder Jackson. No, no, I was asking if you had, had something to add. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like, cut you off from you asking about it. Oh, <laughs> weird. Um, but I have so many feelings about this. Um, so I am a mental health worker. My degrees are in social work. People already know this because I talk about it all the time. It's like my favorite thing to share on here. <clears throat> Besides the fact that I'm indigenous, which will be brought up at all times in every episode. So, I mean, just is what it is. Here we are. Um. There is a really good episode on um, the influence continuum. It's a podcast by Dr. Stephen Hassan, who, like, he he is my prophet. Love him. Him and Yanya Lalich, like, elite. Um, But he's a cult expert, and he had a religious trauma expert, the leading U.S. religious trauma expert on his podcast. Can't remember that gentleman's name, but I'll grab it. And according to a study that that gentleman did, one in six adults have religious trauma so these stats that are coming up for utah totally make sense right 85 percent to 90 percent of all abuse claims in utah can be related back to the church completely completely and when i did um when i did therapy at BYU idaho i now know that my therapist's big job wasn't just to be my therapist it was to protect the school and I know that. And everybody from the Title IX office to professors to your guidance counselors to everybody, that's their big job. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, yeah, it's it's wild. There are religious trauma experts who are Utah-based who specifically work with ex-Mormons or people in a faith transition. And it says that on their resumes because you can find like a therapist online, like they have little web pages and whatnot. And they have little bullet points for like what they're trained in or their expertise. And the more bullet points, that's a red flag. You want to find somebody that's really good at a couple things, not like I'm a jack of all trades because then you're not really an expert. You're just mm-hmm. sort of like sprinkled. But a lot of them say in Utah and in Idaho, um, faith transition, like it's such a huge thing that does affect people's mental health. My mental health improved immeasurably since I left the church. And every year that I've left, 
it's gotten better. Like that first year is hard because it's like, what is the, what is life now? But it's gotten better. And my mental health was at its worst after my mission, um, which I think a lot of people have. Like my mental health was crazy down in the dumps. Like it's never been like that before um, or since. So yeah, I think that, hmm. And it's funny because there's other little stats too that you can read and go over and we'll tie it because the experts are saying one thing, but the member disclosures are saying another thing. So if you want to get into that, or if you all had any more yeah. thoughts on this before you go into part two of the mental health thing. Yeah, I have, I, I have one thing to add uh, to, to this bit. Um, one of my friends, he actually left the church because of mental health concerns. Um, so he was he was he was studying he was doing some graduate program and uh and so he had like he had a lot going on and uh and he started being medicated for i think it was anxiety um but he he was like he was like yeah i'm anxious all the time the medication's helping blah 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 and and then he realized that the source of his anxiety was the constant worthiness checkups and like the need to prove himself and the need to be this and to do that and to be good at this and all this extra stuff. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being medicated, but for him, he removed, he removed the church. He, he realized he's like, that's the problem. So he removed it from his life and then he no longer needed the medication because he was no longer dealing with anxiety and depression and all of these extra things. And then, and then after that, like he still, I talked to him about it when he was like, he's like, yeah, I, he knew I had left the church. And he's, he says, yeah, I'm putting the church thing on hold because it's giving me these mental health issues. And so I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm stepping back so that I can just take care of myself. And then I was like, oh, interesting like but what do you believe and he still believed in the book of mormon he still believed the prophet was a prophet of god he still believed all the things but as he stepped back he's like this is so much better for me and then he started being like wait a second it's all a lie and then now he's left it behind and he's off living his life and he's happy you know but i think uh a lot of the time uh like the church is claiming to be the cure that it is the problem for but it's not it's not the cure it's really just the problem yeah yeah absolutely i mean my husband went through a similar thing when he he got off his mission he was actually sent home for mental health reasons and um started to realize that the church was causing all these mental health and yeah uh, and um yeah same thing he was he was medicated and then kind of realized oh, this is the cause of my stress. I'm going to, you know, take a step back and incredible how different he was once he decided to step away from the church. Um, yeah. And I look at like, I have so many family members, like my mother-in-law is a great example of people who just overly stress themselves out because of the church and are just so unhappy sometimes. And I'm, I just like, it hurts me so much inside, you know, because I know if they just stepped away mm -hmm. that they would be okay. Like I, I know she would be so much happier with her life, you know, Yeah. but it's just like, she clings to it because it is, she thinks it's the one thing that does make her happy. Yep. But when she goes to church every Sunday, it makes her anxious, but she cannot, like, she can't see that. And it's so, it's so sad. Yeah. It's super sad. I, I've got another friend who like your husband, he went on his mission and then he had all these mental health problems. He wound up coming home early because he almost killed himself. And then uh, he comes home early. But unlike your husband where he, he's processed it and, you know, is, is dealing with it, uh, the, this friend still, like your mother-in-law, stays in. He, he stays in. He believes it's the best thing for him. He believes that it's going to make everything good, that it's going to make everything right, uh, even though, like, it's the source of all all of his problems like literally every time he tells me something i'm like well you know like the it might be the church you know mm -hmm. um yeah and it, i i don't really know how how to deal with that but it is brutal and it's and it's common right that's the thing it's it, this isn't a one-off case everybody knows somebody like that mm -hmm. yeah 
Exactly. Or multiple people. Yeah. I know multiple people. And so one of the things is like these type of members, the ones I'm thinking of, will go in and out of therapy off and on. That is not the design of therapy, psychodynamic talk therapy, or even EDM, EMDR, which is like body therapy. It's not designed that way. So the hope is like somebody might go to therapy at one point in their life or more than once because of like a big traumatic event. Um, because the plan is that you use skills that you learn and you process what you need to process. And so the next time you have a big wave, you know how to deal with it. Sometimes for people that have really complex, severe trauma, they're going to need more visits. Like they can do EMDR for literally years because their body is held on to so many terrible things. But the members that I'm thinking of, they keep going back and I'm just going to call it out because they're not willing to look at a huge proponent, mm-hmm. which is the church. Mm-hmm. So all that their therapist does, they try different therapists, like different hats, you know, they, they try like a hairdresser. They just needed someone with a different style. It's like, that's not what it is you're unwilling to look at this huge piece that if you dissected, so what their poor therapist does, because they've had many, will just go over coping skills. Like, you know, you meet a client where they're at, you meet a patient where they're at, and you just go over coping and coping. And that's all that you can do. Um, But it does hold people back and it keeps them stuck. I think the church really keeps people stuck. Gosh, my voice. I told everyone I was sick already, so they already know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I, I think that leads perfectly into this next um, stat that I found, um, it, which is that Utah is ninth highest state in the country for teen suicide rates. And for people ages 10 to 24, suicide is the number one cause of death. And what's interesting about this is I found this on utah.gov, so it's a pretty accurate study. Um, what's super interesting is they give, you know, they list a ton of reasons as to why this is. And, and one of them is social media, which um, if you know anything about Utah politics, that's been a huge topic of discussion recently. Um, but they don't mention anything about the church. And I think it's so interesting because, you know, like I kind of said before, like the church kind of runs the media cycle in Utah. I don't, they might contribute financially. I don't know, but at least they have members all over the place who get to decide what stories get written, what gets reported. And of course, they're not going to question the church. Of course, they're not going to think, oh my gosh, like why do we have such a high mental health rate as compared to the other, you know, the rest of the country? You know, maybe it's because we're a high percentage of Mormons. Like no one's going to think that. No one's going to report on that. And so it's, you know, Utah has consistently ranked super low for teen suicide rates and for mental health and depression um, for years and years, but just refusing to look at what the actual causes of that might be. Yeah. So, I, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, look at, uh, like, you talk about social media, and uh, there are obviously a lot of concerns and problems there, but also uh, church is basically just Instagram. Everybody puts on their best face, everybody shows up, and everybody feels jealous of how happy the other people are and how good the other people look, right? Like you look at Utah's, you know, plastic surgery rates and all these other, you know, big, you know, trying to be perfect and looking perfect. I mean, in the last episode, we talked about how you tried on wedding dresses when you were 12 and 13 and like a child, right? And so this this idea, it's not... It like it's exasperated by social media, but the problem is just the culture. Like that's the expectation is that you will be perfect, right? Be ye therefore perfect. Oh my God, what? (laughs) Like and then to repeat that to people—that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, that's so messed up. Limiting social media means, and also the sirens. That's like a thing. Heavenly Mother's on. You're gonna hear sirens as part of the gig. Um, limiting social media means limiting people's access to ex-Mormons. It means limiting people's access to finding your way out. Mm -hmm. So I can see why it would be a big political issue because this is making people leave. TikTok and Instagram, mainly TikTok, are making people leave. Yeah. 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 Which is awesome. Uh, Like, keep keep leaving people. 
the dark side is better. Um, but also, also here, here's the thing too. Okay, so suicide is the number one cause of death for people 10 to 24. And I bet you numbers two and three, cars and guns, right? Like all three of these oh, yeah. things are things that we can do something about, right? Like the, these are things that we know, we know how to help people through mental health crises. We have a lot of research on that, especially over, you know, the last 50 years as we've started to care more about mental health. But then also, same thing with cars. People have heard me go off about this on the podcast before. This is a solvable issue. We can design better streets. We can design cities for people, right? And same thing with guns, right? Like suicide, guns, and and cars. Like these are these are things we can do something about. But until we start talking about, you know, the causes of those things, right? I mean, why, why, why are these teens killing themselves? I don't know. I, I just have, I just have no idea. And then you're like, now get in there and tell that old man about your masturbation habits. It's like, okay, come on, come on. Right. And then he's going to come back and be like, well, is it gay porn or straight porn? And you're like, oh, well, sorry, Bishop. It's, it's gay porn. And he's like, wait, like guys. Yeah. Yeah. Bishop, it is guys. Oh, so you're a homosexual. Okay, well, we're going to have to kick you out of the church now. And we've got all these problems with you. And maybe, maybe we can actually help you not be gay. Have you tried just normal porn, Sean? You know, it's like, it's like absolute, absolute fucking nonsense that, that they're like, they're like, but, but I'm sorry, I don't see the problem. Like the problem's obviously social media, right? It's like, come on, like, did you not just have that conversation in your office, sir? Right? Like. This is the problem. Yeah. Yep. Ooh. I also had a little nugget of wisdom, and I wasn't expecting on sharing this, but I just made a, my own mental breakthrough. I was thinking to myself, I was like, man, are Mormons like bad parents? And I don't think that they are. What I think is the church encourages bad parenting, so I'm going to explain. So gentle parenting is the term we're using now, but it's been around for a long time. And its old name used to be authoritative parenting. We were both a little bit strict, but not. And you really meet your kid where they're at. Love it. Love gentle parenting. I think it has to be adapted per family and per child. But I love it. There's no reason to be an authoritarian to your child. The church structure and the way God is, is not a gentle parent. But you're gaslit into thinking that he is. God's always looking out for you. But by the way, he sent one third of his children into a bodiless abyss. Like you can't, the contradictions are too much. The way that the Mormon church has God is this parent. And he's a really bad parent who completely ignores his wife, the other partner in that. This sounds so personal, he like, Heavenly Mother. It is really personal. <laughs> so she's like a, he's like a pseudo single dad when he's not a single dad. Um and he's very punitive and micromanagey and really pushes forgiveness on his children, but then is like, but by the way, I forgive who I want. It's like, what? What's the double mm -hmm. standard? Um, and also, I watched my own son be tortured to death. He, he, he like, <laughs> right. he's, not, he's not, well, it's... also impregnating a child, but like non sexually, eh, make it make sense, dip. Like, so weird, so cringe. Um, and so I think for, for Mormon people that want to be gentle parents, they're going in alone. They're going in first generation doing it. And then their church structure, and we already discussed this, the paternalism, mm -hmm. how like creepy uncle wannabe dad, some really awful horrendous bishops are. Um, it just really kills me. But I, I don't think that the church facilitates good parenting. I think if you're a Mormon person and you're a good parent, you're fine. You're flying that ship solo. You're out into the yonder on your own, um, doing the best that you can. And I think a lot of Mormon parents are so loving, mm -hmm. and that's why they're in the church, right? Is because their families can be together forever. Yeah. But little do they know, the church isn't supporting their parenting style. Yeah. Thanks for listening to my TED talk. Yeah. Thank. Thanks for having it. Um, I like what you're talking about with parenting. My my parents are loving parents. I love. I love my parents, but when they bring you to a cult every week, it's kind of like, like, doesn't that undo it a little bit? Right? Like you, I know, I know there are a lot of parents out there who take their kids to church because it's like, well, it's my community. It's, 
it's good in these ways, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, join a choir, like put your kid in soccer or hockey, right? Like do, do something that's going to give those things to your kid without every Sunday when you come home, you're like, just so you know, you don't have to be baptized. We're not going to make you get baptized. But then they go, you take them to church every week. And the teacher's like, when you're baptized, when you do this, when you do that, now let's go try on wedding dresses, right? Like, like it's, it's <laughs> like you're, the church is undoing your decent parenting Yeah, every Sunday. Yeah. Damn. Damn. <laughs> Damn. You're right. And you know what else I thought? I had a little core. God, all these breakthroughs. This is just heavenly mother's therapy. <clears throat> I apologize for how disgusting I sound, but you know what? I still sound less disgusting than God the Father. Think about that. Hmm, about his words. <laughs> anyways, anyways, every Sunday, like clockwork, my whole family, parents, kids, the cats, we would take a nap. And I think it was so like mentally and emotionally exhausting on everyone. Like literally, and also I have chronic fatigue. So like, that's on me. Like the nap was <laughs> happening, period. But the rest of my family doesn't have chronic fatigue. Um, but I knew so many Mormon families that that's what they would do after church. They'd take a nappies. Like mm -hmm. we'd all take a nap because it's so exhausting. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this just, this reminded me of, I, for Thanksgiving, we went down to, with my uh, in-laws, and I was having a conversation with my sister-in-law. Um, we like to stay up late and talk tea on the rest of the family, so it's really fun. <laughs> but she was, um, she's kind of, I think she's mentally out of the church. She's a junior in high school, so she's still living with her parents and got a couple more years there. Um but she talks to us about the stupid things in the church sometimes. And my husband and I kind of have to be partial because she's still kind of wanting to be in and stuff. But she was telling us about how she like her greatest fear in life is the second coming because that's all her parents talk about. That's all her mom specifically talks about. And she's like, I am terrified. Like I've had panic attacks in the car with mom before when she's talking about this and she's like, oh, it's okay. Like, they just kind of brush it off. And I'm like, that is so, so, so sad. Like, that, that that is the reaction that you're having. That that is what this 17-year-old girl is focused most on in her life. Like, that is the thing that terrifies her the most. Like, almost to the point where it's debilitating, right? Yeah. She's having panic attacks. She's anxious. She's depressed about it. And for her... For her parents, my in-laws, it's, it's you know, it's okay because it's the church, you know. They're teaching her all these things to be a good member of the church. And for them, that's okay, you know. If she's stressed about it, you know, she'll get over it, you know. But, yeah, it's just so sad. And, and it's, it's like, taken everything in me just to, just to say, it's not true. Like, it's not, like, this is all made up. Like, it's not, you don't have to worry about this anymore, but. It's just, yeah, oh, it's so hard. Yeah, and they say it in this, uh, but it's beautiful. The the yeah. Savior is coming back. Isn't that wonderful? And all the bad guys will burn in fire, and and we get to watch them die and suffer. Isn't that just wonderful? We'll be with God again. It's like, oh, my God. Like, no, ew. Yeah. Like, this is not this is not healthy. And, and especially when you're constantly telling young people, It'll be in your lifetime. You're the chosen generation. That just piles yeah. on. Yeah. No wonder. I mean, the next the next statistic that you have in the notes here is about a fifth of Mormons say they have taken or are currently taking medication for depression, right? Yep. Which again, medication is great. I love modern medicine, but how much of that is just like you're you're just medicating something that can be solved elsewise? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that. yeah, a fifth of Mormons. That's that's so many people, you know, like yeah. that's that's so many people in your family, so many friends like, gosh, like I can't even name the amount of people I know who are medicated for depression. And and, you know, sometimes it's it's very needed. Absolutely. But if you're trying to rid yourself of the things that make you depressed, 
and you're not focusing on the biggest thing that makes you depressed, like, of course, you're going to be medicated. Of course, you're going to have that medication. Like, but my mom has had medication for depression and anxiety almost my whole life, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's, yeah, it's sad. It's crazy, but it, it is, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. And ultimately what we found in the mental health field is that the chemical imbalance that we're told depressed people and anxious people have is really not that imbalanced. It isn't. God, I sound so bad. Um, The imbalance isn't as severe as people think that it is because it is more circumstantial than it is chemical. Medication helps. I'm not anti-meds. Meds take the edge off. Meds make you functional. Meds can help you. So a lot of times what antidepressants and anti-anxiety pills do is they stop the roller coaster. Because when you're battling depression, I mean, I think we've all had it at some point. Um, it's one day you feel better and then the next you're like, I just want to curl up and disappear. Like It's that bad. Really. It's this. Some days I feel so productive. Some days I just want to cry in the shower in a fetal position. Like yeah. It's madness. Um, so when you're on medication, it stops that. It's like, yeah. okay, we're not we're not on the roller coaster anymore. We're balancing out. But if you're not making mental pathways, if you're not having mm-hmm. breakthroughs, if you're not learning real coping skills, not church coping skills, because church coping skills are like read the scriptures, say a yeah. prayer, go to the temple. Those are not real coping skills. Um, then you're not going to get better. But what really gets me, because I would have called bullshit on this, but it's in the stats, is that according to a 2017 survey by Mental Health America, Utah ranks dead last in the nation when it comes to adults with serious thoughts of suicide um, and a prevalence of mental illness and access to health care. Um, I think people are lying. I think people yeah. are lying. I think it's whenever you deal with um, qualitative data where you're just taking people's words and not quantitative data, uh, there's human error. There's mm-hmm. limit, you know, there's space for people to make disclosures that aren't true. Yeah. And also because of HIPAA, which is a good thing, we won't know the medical records, the therapy notes for people's, the, the pregnant women that take the Edinburgh in Utah, we won't know their results. We're only knowing this other third party survey comes in and they're going to say, no, I don't think about it killing myself no i don't have serious mental illness it's like maybe anyways it is what it is but i think a lot of times more when i was super depressed after my mission and i had suicidal ideation i believed the church was true so i knew that if i killed myself it wouldn't be over right yeah Mm -hmm. i did have suicidal ideation it was very much intrusive thoughts on a daily basis yeah They'd be like walking down the street and be like, what if a car just hit me? Like, that's not normal. Yeah, like yeah. under a, like those little electrical things. And I was like, what if one just a lightning struck it and it just fell on me? Like, yeah. And I would think that every single day, that's not normal. Yeah. But I, as far as me doing it, I'd be like, well, death isn't the end. So I'd still be suffering and just be in a different plane of existence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are my feelings on it. It is like a, um, like the, the passive suicidality right where you're just kind of like well you know like if i die whatever you know i I don't care right like you're not gonna do it yourself but if something happened like i'm not opposed to it you know like that'd be kind of cool i'd get to see god again and i'd go back home and you know everything would be beautiful i'd see my family again no big deal right like but i think i don't know there was uh the recent episode of mormon stories where they had what's her name I forget what her name is, but um, they they talked about how um, how like nihilism when when you leave the church and how scary that can be. But then she later talked about oh, Brittany Hartley is her name. Um, but then they talked about how as you move on um, and if you if you find like absurdism, right, like. The world is crazy. It's bananas. It's just kind of nuts that we're all here. But I'm going to enjoy that, right? And I think everybody everybody finds their their place uh, in in the world after after leaving the church. And and f- for me as an atheist, that's like that absurdism, 
of like, this is nuts. This is like crazy. I'm talking to two people who are, are, are on a different spot on the continent, right? And we're having this conversation about mental health, which, you know, what is that anyways, right? And, and we're talking about ways we can be better and things that we've dealt with and we're making jokes. It's all just kind of crazy. And you know what, for me in this moment, like that's the meaning, that's the meaning of life, right? Um, whereas when I was in the church, the meaning of life was to live, be nice, and then like, but like die. Like it always, it always just ended with like, and then I'll die and Jesus will come again. Won't that be awesome? Instead of just like being able to live in the moment and, and exist here and now, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That that kind of brings up um, kind of where I wanted to go next with this, the, the statistics and stuff. The church does a really good job of kind of covering things and saying, oh, it's all great. You know, if you die or, you know, you're going to see God again, so don't worry about it. Um, so we talked about the the study that, you know, a fifth of Mormons say they have taken medication and then that Utah ranks dead last with adults of serious thoughts of suicide. So that was a non-LDS article that I found um, that had a ton of statistics, a ton of data, ton of research done into it. And then I found one that was published by the BYU Religious Studies Center. It was done by a um, Mormon BYU professor. And this was their analysis. They did kind of some same studies about mental health and suicide and stuff with Mormons. Um, this is what their analysis said. Said analysis of the data indicates that Latter-day Saints who live their lives consistent with their religious beliefs experience greater general well-being and marital and family stability and less delinquency, depression, anxiety, and substance use than those who do not. This review of research also concludes that there is a very little support for the assertion made by some that religious belief, practice, or affiliation is antithetical to mental health. So basically, Mormons have better well-being, they're less depressed, they're less anxious if they just follow their religious beliefs. So, yeah, I just thought that was crazy. Like, here's this article that was done by a non-LDS source that was just gathering data. And, you know, we can dispute whether it's correct or not. But then you have this BYU one who says, oh, nothing's nothing's wrong. Everything's fine, you know. And I didn't read into it a whole ton to, like, look at their actual data. But just by this description alone, like, I knew it was going to be totally opposite from, from this first article. Yeah. Which I, yeah, was crazy. Well, it's like, if you would just follow the rules... <laughs> yeah at BYU Idaho when I was there and this is a real stat because I got it from a professor every single week at BYU Idaho in about 2016 every single week of the year a, a student attempted to take their life mm -hmm. so to this I'm calling bullshit we all know Mormons are depressed you go to a testimony meeting and you hear people Literally, there's that Japanese thing where like samurais would kill themselves. They like stab themselves in the gut. Mm -hmm. People do that emotionally for yeah. testimony meetings, and they're they're crying up there, talking about their mental health crisis. But of course, at the end, they bear their testimony. But like, we know they're unhappy. Period. Like, yeah, yeah. This this doesn't fool me. Also, when it comes to gathering state data, this the church schools are separate. So the state of Idaho would never include stats at BYU Idaho, yeah. And the state of Utah does not does not include stats on the college campuses, mm -hmm. which is very interesting to me. Church schools, because mm -hmm. how can you do that? How is that legal? It's in your jurisdiction, mm -hmm. but they're playing hot potato. They play. They do it with crime too. Mm -hmm. The police are like, I mean, that's. That's the campus police, though. And then the campus police are like, but we're in the state of Idaho, and they're like, ooh, nose goes. It's, it's they're manipulating information. Yeah. Or they only use the information when it's beneficial, right? Like right. when news, when news articles come out and they're talking about mental health, they'll cite BYU sources because it makes the church look good, even if they're not, you know, statistically sound or accurate or anything, as long as it's done by a, a good, you know, honest BYU professor, then that's all that matters, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, and also in this in this article you cited here, how it's 
it's the people who live lives consistent with their religious beliefs are less depressed, right? But mm -hmm. if your existence is inconsistent with your religious beliefs, if you're gay or transgender or whatever else, then, oh, well, sorry, I guess like you don't qualify, right? Like you're going to be depressed. And uh, there's there's also a, a study um, that, that I heard on, um, thank God I'm atheist, there where the thing that determines whether you're um, happy or not uh, as far as religiosity goes, is whether or not you're the majority. So they found that in countries where you're, where it's mostly religious, religious people were happier. And in countries where it's mostly secular, secular people were happier. Because you're in the in-group, right? Like, I'm the majority. So, you know... And, uh, and, and the pirate and, ship. Yeah, right, right, exactly. Like that's that's the thing. If you walk outside your front door, and you step out there, and you see people who look like you, and who act like you, and talk like you, right? You're immediately going to feel like, yeah, I belong here, right? I feel comfortable here, uh, because, well, it's like you know, it's it's like when you travel abroad. And you're kind of like, oh, like, did I do that right? Did I, you know, I don't want to say the wrong thing or offend anybody, right? That has that has an effect, especially if it's day in and day out you're experiencing that, right? Especially if it's about the way that you look, whether it's this color of your skin or the way that you dress, that's going to have an effect on on your mental health, right? Uh, and it's going to have an effect on on the way people treat you. So yeah, like obviously, Mormons in Utah are going to be happier than non-Mormons in Utah. Also, Mormons in Utah who follow the rules and aren't feeling guilt and shame every single week because, well, I'm good, I follow the rules. Of course they're going to be happy. Like, that's not, that, that's not an interesting study. That's like an, in that's an obvious observation, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this... Um... This kind of leads into the last point that I wanted to bring up, um, but there was a study done in Desert News, which just by the name alone mm -hmm. is probably, you know, very heavily aligned with the church. But yeah. they did a specific study on Latter-day Saints and depression, anxiety, all this stuff, which initially I was really excited about because in this research, like I did, I could not find a lot because people just don't talk about this stuff, you know? Um, so I was really excited about this. Um, and th the article started off really promising, you know, it kind of gave this disclaimer that was like, well, you know, we know that just because of this study, you know, more studies need to be done and we need to further look into this issue. And just because we're saying, you know, if we say a lot of members of the church have depression, it doesn't mean that everyone has depression. Or if we find that, you know, not a lot of Mormons have depression, it doesn't mean that there aren't people within the group who have depression. Mm -hmm. So it kind of gave this disclaimer. And so I was like, okay, you know, maybe this is going to be a really good statistical study. Um, so I'll just read what I found. So it said that studies typically find Latter-day Saints lower in depression, anxiety, and suicidal thoughts when compared to other religious groups and those of no religion. So basically anyone else. Um, it appears one reason Latter-day Saint youth are less likely to experience suicidal thoughts and depression is because of their, on average, stronger family connections and less substance use. However, Latter-day Saints who have unhealthy perfectionism are more likely to experience depression. So it's saying if you, you know, only if you experience perfectionism will you have depression, anxiety, and suicidal thoughts. So it's kind of, it kind of um, displayed this as, well, you know, most Latter-day Saints probably don't have depression and anxiety unless you have perfectionism. And then farther down, almost at the bottom of this article, it said that only 22.5% of Mormons claim that they were non-perfectionalists. <laughs> so it's like 80% of Mormons are saying, yeah, I'm a perfectionist, but but they don't have depression and anxiety, even though we literally just said that our studies found that if you have perfectionism, you are likely to have depression, anxiety, and suicidal thoughts. So it's just yeah. like this total like, and then they explained it away, of course, you know, they're still trying to make the church look good, even though they clearly found all of these stats to say, oh, this maybe is not the best thing. 
they're still like trying as hard as they can to make it sound like the the church is great. And I found out the same guy who wrote this article wrote the previous one about how Latter-day Saints do not have, you know, they experience greater well-being. So take that with, you know, a grain of salt. It's the same guy. So he was hired to do this. He was hired to do this. It was, he went in with a conclusion. Yeah. He yeah. was hired to do it. Also, it, I, the language of it is very victim blamey, right? Mm-hmm. You have perfectionism. Like, yeah. It's a you problem. Yeah. Still. Yeah. It's like, where does that perfectionism come from? Right? Like, yeah. like, t- t- tell me, where, where does that, where does that come from? Right. Where where does the expectation to be perfect, to be good, to do all these things, to stay in line? Right. Is it I don't know. I I, listen, I'm just guessing here, but it could be the uh, the semi annual sit down with your bishop where he asks you all these probing questions. Right. Like I that's just that's just a guess that might impact somebody's perfectionism is like, hey. Are, are you honest? Are you nice? Are you a decent human being? Are you worthy? Do you consider yourself worthy to enter into the Lord's house? Right? It's like, come on, guys. Like, I think I know where it comes from. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I love that you brought up the temple interview questions. Because I remember as a kid, they asked the question, like, do you affiliate yourself with any, you know, anything that goes against the church? And I remember being like, have this like total internal con- conflict in my mind. Like, I, I, I don't hate gay people, but my church tells me to hate them. And so I'm not, you know, I can't affiliate with them, but I'm supposed to love them. Like, just this whole like mental gymnastics in my mind of how to answer this one question, mm-hmm. like. And that's just one question, right? Like, oh my gosh, that's just one example. You know, there's so many things that we could name off in the church that that promote perfectionism and yeah. Yeah, and promote lying. <laughs> I've yeah. never, I mean, this is, I don't know, it's kind of a hot topic, but I as a teenager was always like interested in indigenous rights. Mm-hmm. So that included the people of Palestine. I was like rooting for those homies. And that was like a huge no-no as a Mormon. Yeah. Like, no, how dare you? I'm laughing about it because it's so dramatic, especially right now that I have no other way to cope. But yeah, I would like rack my brain and I nothing would deter me from that belief though. I was like, no, I know what human rights are. Get out of my face. But that conflict, it's going to cause anxiety and depression in people. That conflict of like, I... I'm doing this thing where I believe this thing that doesn't coincide with the church. So I'm never going to feel God, Elder Jackson, you like blew my mind when you were talking about how, when you're in the in crowd, you feel better. And I was like, Holy Toledo. I was like this little Cherokee Mormon that never fit in because nobody else was native American and it was never going to work. And then like, I went up to New Mexico and I was like, this is a vibe. And then now I live in Oklahoma, which is Indian country. And I'm like, this is so fun. Like that's so true. I'm not in the minority cause I'm not Christian, but I'm still like, I'm well received here because of my personality. Right. Cause I'm pretty outgoing and like bubbly and like, um, that's very normal in Oklahoma. People are very friendly out here. So, uh. My mind has been blown. I get the pirate ship now. I get it. I get it all. <laughs> Amazing. Do you have uh, any anything else to add, elder sister? Um, no. I I am just you know, yeah. I I mean I'm I'm not surprised by these statistics. Like it, it definitely wasn't like a a shocker when I saw mm-hmm. it, but it still it still makes me so mad and so sad. And it's just. It's a huge problem that I don't think ever is going to get solved. Um, I now want to go do my own statistical research. And like, I've been thinking this week, like, what if I made like this news company in Utah where it's like real statistics, you know, like actual fact, because I don't know how much of that exists, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, that's just, that's, I don't know. Well, I say do it. (laughs) <laughs> okay sift sift i can literally help you form the survey questions because i took classes on that yeah yeah 
Yeah, this is what I studied in college. So I'm like, I can, I think I could do this, but. I got you. I'll swoop in with the social aspect, the social work, sociology piece. I'll like come in. We can do it. Let's do, do it. it. Yeah. I'm down. Wonderful. I, I, I am. Like, I'm being serious. I, I am. Yeah, dead ass. Let's do this. <laughs> I love that. This is like your new favorite term. You're like, I love dead ass. It's so there. good. It is so good. Oh, man. That made me feel chipper and cheery. What about you, Elder Jackson? What are your final thoughts? My final thoughts are, I think that's a wonderful idea. Uh, and and I, I'm glad we had this conversation because it is like, it's a real problem. Um, and you know, obviously mental health is an issue anywhere, right? Like we're all, we're all dealing with this. We all have, you know, noggins. Um, but yeah, like it's bad in the church and, uh, and not that people outside of the church don't have problems and don't have things that they deal with, but the, the church, you know, encourages it almost, right? Like it's. It's an enzyme yeah. for it. Um, yeah. So good and groovy. Uh, any final thoughts as we wrap up? And then we got to pick somebody to close in the name of. No, just yeah. that. I like this. And it can also be like further explored in the future of like positive things you can do for your mental health as an ex-Mormon. So we're open to that too, little listeners. Don't worry. We're just going to leave you hanging if yeah. this topic depressed you. Um Who's going to pick who? Should it be our little guest? Yeah. I picked... I, I know, we make you pick every ah. time. <laughs> every time we're like, so you're here, elder sister. I know. <laughs> Go ahead you pick one. Um, <laughs> the names that come to my head when you guys first asked me this is just <laughs> so bizarre. Um, but Elder Jackson sent a video to us this week, oh. and it had um, a lot of which was memes. an accident. I didn't mean to send that YouTube link. It is funny though. It's so funny. It's so so funny. Um, but yeah, I um, oh my gosh, my mind just went blank. <sighs> I can't think of who I was gonna say. Oh my gosh, yeah, I don't know. Do you guys have someone? <laughs> this is so embarrassing. <laughs> we already did Mitt Romney. Yeah, well, that's, let's do yeah. Uh, George Santos. Oh my oh gosh, my God. I hate him. <laughs> that's I hate why him. it's funny. I don't think you can hate a human being more. <laughs> that's why it's funny. Him. Actually, fun I've fact: never met. George I've never Santos met started this podcast. He's actually he's actually the original <laughs> no. the original original host of this podcast. Like... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's uh, Ron DeSantis. Oh, who's We're, George? George Santos. Santos. I'm getting him confused. George Santos is like a hilarious embarrassment to me. Yeah, yeah. That's why we're gonna we're gonna close uh, in the name of George Santos. <laughs> Amen. 